It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, October 17th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's COVID case count has steadily decreased over the last few years, but at some point this fall, more deaths were retroactively reported by the Alaska Department of Health, bringing Sitka's COVID death toll to nine over the last three years, according to official reports. Six deaths were reported in 2021, mostly concentrated around the arrival of the Delta variant and its aftermath in July. In 2022, Sitka reported three deaths from April to July. No deaths were reported in 2020. This year, in in the seven-day period between October 5th and October 11th, the state recorded four coronavirus cases in Sitka. The Centers for Disease Control continues to consider Sitka's COVID level low. The Alaska Department of Health discontinued its weekly COVID newsletter in late September, but it continues to report weekly case counts, hospitalizations, and death data to its public dashboard. Besides the usual marching bands and parade floats, this year's Alaska Day Festival in Sitka will have an unusual participant, the Alaska State Commission for Human Rights. The commission, which investigates discrimination across the state, is renewing a tradition of public outreach that has been dormant for years, and Sitka is the first stop. KCAW's Robert Woolsey spoke with the commission's executive director, Rob Corbisier, about the team he's bringing to Sitka and what they hope to accomplish. Yes, myself, our commission secretary, and our admin officer are going to be there to, to support the meeting. Um, I'm also going to be doing some outreach with the Trooper Academy um, on Monday morning and then Tuesday for Alaska Day, since particularly Alaska Day is a big celebration in Sitka. That's why we thought this would be a good thing to dovetail in to hold the commission meeting. But we'll be doing an, a bit of an outreach event kind of during the parade. Um, we're going to be set up kind of in the Aspen lobby area since that's right along the parade route and we're hoping that people can want to come in and talk to us a little bit about what they see going on in their community you know if there are things that are they've experienced discrimination if they're interested in filing a complaint um that that would be the better opportunity for them to come in and talk to us kind of in a smaller one-on-one as opposed to during the public meeting we are more than just a complaint-taking agency. The Alaska Supreme Court has said that we are to be more than a complaint-taking agency. And that's why we're doing some of the, the outreach. But we've also got a series of guidance documents to help businesses, the business community, HR professionals, to avoid discrimination complaints. You know, and if we can head off a case by making sure that a business has good policies in place, then that's great. That means we're doing our job, too. Is discrimination the same sort of thing? Do you have categories of discrimination that your investigators look to when when they're deciding whether something is actionable or whether it's uh, frivolous, for lack of a better word? So it's, it's the things that you think of. It's age, race, sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity when it comes to employment cases only, um, pregnancy, parenthood, physical or mental disability, religion, national origin, um, those are the protected classes. So we've got jurisdiction over employment cases. That's our, that's our by far and away our biggest caseload. But we also do cases of uh, places of public accommodation. And that statute is the one that kind of, it's the genesis of the Human Rights Commission, I suppose you could say, and goes back to Elizabeth Paratrovich. And actually her husband, Roy Paratrovich, was one of the very first commissioners for the Human Rights Commission when it was created in 1963. It, it strikes me as a process that ultimately leads 
to uh, improvement in the in the system. I think that's probably the the objective of all this is to make things better to reduce the amount of discrimination in Alaska. Isn't that the mission statement of the commission? In fact, it it is it is, and we're not we're not a punitive agency. I mean, our our goals are to educate. You know, if we have a respondent that comes in and simply was not aware of the law and didn't know that, you know, they were required to provide a reasonable accommodation for a disability. Um, we, the goal is to educate and prevent that from happening in the future. And we also want to make the complainant whole. So we've got the ability to get a damages award for a complainant. Um, in this kind of the same way you could do it a hiring a private attorney, but we are a state agency, and so this is just a, a service that is a component of what our mission is, what our and what our constitutional function is. I hope this experiment with the quasi hybrid meeting and outreach in Sitka is successful. I hope this conversation has defanged it a little bit for people, and that they'll come out and see you and. Uh, I hope you're okay with bagpipes because uh, we got a lot of that going on in Sitka. On hey, I, I've, I've been to Sitka a couple times. One of my best friends from high school lives there, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this, this meeting. Landslides are a growing concern in southeast Alaska. A recent destructive slide in downtown Juneau left homeowners and the community grappling with how to respond. And, as Claire Strumpel reports, another question, who pays? For Jen Mitchum, the answer so far has been friends and kind strangers. A friend started an online fundraiser for Mitchum after a September storm sent trees through his living room. He wasn't home at the time. The online fund has raised about $50,000. It's two long, steep flights of metal great stairs to get to what's left of his house. These steps here um, no longer go up, as you can see, but that that, um, originally went up to... Uh, the front entrance of my house. It looks like sheer force of impact knocked the home off its foundations and down the hill. Yeah, I've got one tree that kind of bullseyed right through that tiny window there (laughs) into my living room, yeah. The door hangs off its hinges and a robin pecks around in the detritus of the living room, scavenging bare scattered food wrappers from the kitchen. Most of the house is leaning onto the downhill neighbor's home, like a tired out kid leaning on their parent's shoulder. The washing machine is upended, and golden insulation sprays out of a ripped wall. Uh, honestly, I <laughs> it's hard to know where to start. Mitchum just moved from a hotel to a temporary apartment. His insurance is paying for his stay. And after that... It kind of depends on whether um, my insurance agrees to cover uh, for the situation or not. Mitchum says he thinks he'll rebuild, but he has some concerns about the location now. His home is in a severe landslide hazard zone, according to city maps. City officials say fallen trees are what totaled his house. It's good news for Mitchum because he doesn't have landslide insurance. Many Juno residents report that their mortgage brokers tell them they simply cannot get landslide insurance in southeast Alaska anymore. It is available, but it's been extremely hard to write. Emil Mackey works for an insurance agency in Juneau. He says he gets an automatic rejection when he tries to write Juno clients' landslide insurance. He says that's because of the fatal and destructive landslides in the region. The 2015 slide in Sitka and 2020 slide in Haines changed how insurers view risk region-wide. 
no matter where you are in Juneau. If you're within one mile of any historic uh, landslide, which is anybody near a mountain, which is everybody in Juneau, um, um, yes, it takes basically a, a, a geo survey to, to get approved. A geotechnical survey can cost thousands of dollars. Mackey says this latest landslide is likely to affect insurance, too, and not just in Juneau. I think it's actually going to affect the availability of landslides insurance throughout Alaska because most insurance companies actually consider risks on a state level or a county level and not necessarily on a on, on like a city level. Both of Carol Treem's homes are in landslide zones. The Juno Assembly member is calling for the city to do a better job responding to landslides. And no, she does not have landslide insurance. Just the, the risk factors are changing so quickly. Treem says 20 years ago, risk calculation was more static in Juno. Residents could be expected to make their own risk assessments. But that's changing. Climate change is changing that. I think that now that means that we have a role to play as a city government in helping people figure out what those risks are, how quickly they're changing. Treem isn't an outlier. Roughly half of the downtown area is in a hazard zone for landslides or avalanches, according to the city's maps. But she says it's more than downtown hazards. Flooding in the Mendenhall Valley at Jordan Creek and erosion on waterways are some examples. After the landslide on Gastineau Avenue, the city cleared the road. Deputy City Manager Robert Barr says that's been its main job so far. They may relocate a culvert for better hillside drainage. But he says further involvement isn't in the playbook yet. It's not that the community has decided to do nothing. It's that the community has decided to move forward in a more individualistic nature about thinking about risk in these sorts of emergency events. In other words, as a community, Juno hasn't made a plan for how the local government should be involved after a landslide destroys a home or a neighborhood. But Barr said that could change. The city will resume talks about the new hazard maps and what they mean next month. The city has considered buyouts in hazard zones before. That's where the city buys dangerous property so people don't continue living there. But Barr says the city hasn't considered buyouts for the homes damaged by this landslide, like Jen Mitchum's. I would consider that, yeah, if it was offered for sure. Looking over the wreckage of his home, Mitchum says that's an offer he might take. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strempel. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Monday, October 17th, 2022. Today, rain, mainly before 10 a.m., high near 53, south wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. Tonight, isolated showers after 4 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low around 49. East wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 10%. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. Mm-hmm.